Episode 810. The Green Bay Packers held their first practice open to the public in 2017 on Tuesday, leading to several new revelations. We'll react to Tuesday's proceedings with Cheesehead TV's own David Nicholson. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and today we're talking about Packers OTAs and the first practices open to the public of the year. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're talking to David Nicholson of Cheesehead TV. Mr. Nicholson, how are you this morning? I am doing great, Brian. How are you? Very good. Um, Over the course of the next two weeks or so, I've invited the newest writers at Cheesehead TV to join us as guests on the show and help us react to Packers OTAs, and David is kicking things off with us. So, David, do you want to start by letting our readers know about your background? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm one of the Favre-era Packer fans, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm 30 now, so kind of my, you know, my ushering into to Green Bay Packer fandom started with, uh, you know, jumping around to, to whoever was good when I was uh, a little kid, and then landing on the Packers and, and kind of never turning back. So uh, I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and uh, I have some experience as a sports writer. I covered uh, the high school sports beat for... Uh, the Gannett paper in Sioux Falls, and uh, now I'm in uh, marketing and advertising, and it's great to still have one foot kind of uh, in that sports writing background, and uh, it's it's been a real honor to uh, contribute to Cheesehead TV. I've been a longtime fan of the site and the podcast. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we're glad to have you on the show today, and there's there's plenty to get to. Uh, many of the storylines we'll be reacting to were published by the media members at PackersNews.com, ESPN, WDUZ, etc. But, David, let's start things off. Due to the NFL rule requiring graduating seniors on the quarter system to remain in school, Packers top pick Kevin King wasn't in attendance at OTAs on Tuesday how much of a concern is this for you that he's missing valuable practice time? Well, Brian, it's it's not a tremendous uh, concern. Uh, this this isn't a new a new problem, I guess, for the Packers. Uh, last year, you'll remember Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Trevor Davis, and Kyle Murphy all missed OTAs. Um, you know, it, the same thing with Ty Montgomery a year before. Now, Clark and Lowry, particularly as the season went along, kind of kind of found their way. Um, would they have done it quicker had they been there for OTAs? It's it's really kind of a guessing game. I think in Kevin King's case, you know, he's such a special athlete. Um, I really warmed up to that selection. Um, you know, a guy with with his physical abilities and his frame. Um, you'd love to have him there, uh, especially considering this is his his job now. Uh, but you know, I think I think he'll be fine. I, it's it's hard to measure exactly how much effect it's going to have, uh, but I, I'm not worried about Kevin King. Yeah, uh, ideally he's there, but we've seen this, you know, for several years in the past, and I don't think it's a big deal either. Uh, hopefully he goes and gets a degree fairly shortly and then can join the Packers. But David, sticking in the secondary here, second-round draft choice Josh Jones and fellow safety Morgan Burnett reportedly both worked at linebacker in the team's nitro package on Tuesday. 
How often do you do you think the Packers will utilize this type type of lineup this season? They they dabbled in it last year. I think we we could see quite a bit of it. Um, Morgan Burnett was kind of forced into that spot last year because of injuries, and also I think because of a, a rising young player in Kentrell Bryce. So it, it would make sense, especially given uh, Josh Jones's physical talents, uh, that he would also figure into that spot. Um, you know, it's going to depend on the personnel they line up against. It's going to depend on really the game planning for specific opponents and specific players. But the way the league has been going, uh, this gives the Packers some some real flexibility. Uh, gives them a lot of options there in the middle. You know, I think they still have plans for Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez and Joe Thomas. And then, of course, Clay Matthews is also going to see time inside this year. Um, but really, it's the it's the options and the flexibility and the the ability to adapt and its depth. So there's a lot to like there. And, uh, you know, particularly with Josh Jones, I'm excited to see how he might be utilized as a blitzer there uh, in that nitro package because he's, you know, he's big and strong and very, very fast with that 4-4 speed. Yeah, I wonder how much Josh Jones will play this season being a rookie, having some talented safeties ahead of him. Uh, perhaps it's the type of thing that he'll get more playing time as the year goes on, but it'll be fun to track his progress. Um, David, according to those who were at practice, Devon House and Ladarius Gunter were working as the perimeter cornerbacks while Demarius Randall was working in the slot. Do you think this is a good spot for Randall, who struggled on the outside last year? You know, I think Randall's, uh, Demarius Randall's college background uh, would certainly indicate that um, there's a comfort level there in the slot. I mean, he did line up as uh, safety with the Sun Devils, but they blitzed a ton. And they played man coverage behind it. And he really, you know, he really thrived in that role. Um, you know, he was banged up last year. And, uh, you know, after what I think most people would agree was a, was a pretty promising rookie season, um, I, I wouldn't totally give up on using Demarius Randall on the outside. Uh, again, it might come down to just individual matchups and where they like him. Um, you know, a guy like Ladarius Gunter is going to be better against uh, a bigger possession receiver, someone you need to be able to match with that, uh, that press cover ability. But I, I like Demarius Randall and, you know, I'll, I'll bring up Devonte Adams as an example, granted different position, different season, but we saw what Devonte could do last season when healthy, you, you go back to that sophomore season in, in 2015 and, you know, it was a disaster and there were drops and other things, but really he didn't have the explosiveness because he was banged up. And I think, you know, the injuries can really take a toll, particularly for those kinds of positions that you need to be fluid and be able to change direction. So I have high hopes that Demarius Randall will make a comeback. And if that's in the slot, then that could be a, a comfortable spot for him. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about Demarius Randall too. I, I think, uh, you know, maybe it's possible 2016 could be uh, just a, a little bit uh, – a blip on the radar radar screen when things are all said and done, and and I wouldn't rule out him playing on the outside either. But uh, the slot maybe his best position. We will see. Um, David Kevin King wasn't the only one who missed practice time, uh, having to stay back at school on Tuesday. So did fellow rookie linebacker Josh Latuli Sanoa. Uh, meanwhile, Clay Matthews mispracticed due to personal reasons, and Vince Beagle mispracticed after having surgery on his foot. So my question is, does this leave you concerned about the depth at outside linebacker at all? Well, first off, I was concerned that I would maybe have to say Latuli's Sonosa. <laughs> so, so well done on that. Um, 
But to answer your question, I, I do have concerns uh, at outside linebacker. It's probably the area that I'm most nervous about on the team. Um, you know, Dayton Jones might be regarded by some as a first round bust, but he really impressed me the last two seasons. And now he's a Viking. Um, and he may not have finished with a ton of sacks, but he was pretty consistently pressuring the quarterback. I think he actually had the most pressures per snap of any Packer uh, defender last year. And as the Packers have admitted, you know, there's a lot of snaps there to replace with Jones and also Julius Peppers leaving. So they have to be able to recreate that production, which let's admit was good last year. They, the Packers were an effective pass rushing unit, uh, but they have to recreate that with the likes of J. Ron Elliott and Cairo Fack, uh, Kyler Fackrell and uh, Vince Beagle. Uh, and there's a lot of things to like about each one of those guys, but they are definitely question marks. Um, I think, you know, Vince Beagle, <laughs> we're all familiar with him at this point, uh, being a Wisconsin Badger, and then all the comparisons to how he fits the mold of what they like. And if, if a guy like, you know, Kyler Fackrell really did get stronger in the offseason, that was, you know, one of his few physical weaknesses because he's a great athlete. So um, it's going to come down to maybe if Nick Perry can stay healthy because uh, he was terrific last year. And if one of those other guys can emerge, because it, it kind of sounds like Clay's role this year is going to be that of a rover. He's going to be moved around. He's going to play inside. He's going to move outside. Um, and, the, and the last thing I'll say is just with regard to the pass rush overall, I'm hoping that the Packers get a little more juice uh, in the pass rush from their defensive line. Uh, obviously, you've got Mike Daniels, but if we see guys like if Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry improve and take you know take some uh, some improvements there in their second year, as well as, you know, this rookie Montrevious Adams, it's hard to expect a lot from a rookie defensive lineman, but, you know, he's, he's got some rare abilities for a big man. So hopefully, you know, in the aggregate, they can still have an effective pass rush, but I am worried about um, them being as effective on the outside as they were last year. That That is a good point. The pass rush doesn't have to exclusively come from the outside linebackers. That's that's where it usually comes from, but uh, any help they can get from other positions certainly helps the overall cause. Um, moving to the offensive side of the football, we talked a lot of defense so far. Uh, David, free agent signees Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks made their public debuts on Tuesday to Packers fans and the media. Um, how do you think they will be used this season by the Packers? Well, hopefully they'll they'll be used in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the tape from the first half of last year was illuminating to the Packers coaching staff because they probably see that they were at their best um, when they when they mix things up and they use tight ends in creative ways. You know, when Jared Cook uh, was was healthy and used as a weapon, it it completely opened up their offense. Aaron Rodgers was statistically a completely different quarterback with cook on the field. I don't know yet if Kendricks is going to necessarily see the field more uh, a ton more than Richard Rogers, but I'm happy to have him and I'm ecstatic to have uh, Marty B, you know, Martellus Bennett, what a personality and someone who just comes off uh, instantly genuine in kind of his approach. Um, the, the thing that, you know, Aaron Rodgers said uh, in, uh, in the locker room yesterday was that, uh, he has one of these dominating mentalities when he's out there um, on the, on the field, he wants to dominate the person across from him, whether that's in run blocking or as a receiver. And that's a, that's a really big attitude. And I think uh, you're obviously seeing a lot of stories uh, probably coming out today here about talking about leadership, making that a discussion because they've lost some, they've lost some veteran leadership and Martellus Bennett is, he might be a new face, but I'd look to guys like him and, and Jari Evans 
to bring some instant credibility to that locker room. And, you know, just schematically having more opportunities to get two tight ends on the field. Um, it's going to probably help their run game. It's going to help them up the middle of the field. It's going to free up guys like Devonte Adams and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. And, um, you know, the, it's, it's a football cliche, but there's some truth to it. You know, a quarterback's best friend is uh, is a good tight end and they've got a, they've got a few of them now. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. Martellus Bennett meeting the Green Bay throng of media for the first time on Tuesday said he was going to be the captain of fun on this team. We'll <laughs> we'll see what that means in the coming days. It's um, great. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right, David. Uh, center Corey Lindsley sat out practice after undergoing offseason surgery on his ankle, leaving Don Barclay as the starting center for the time being. Uh, are you comfortable with that scenario? I, I suppose it depends on how much uh, you you trust what Aaron Rodgers has to say, because his his praise of Barkley was glowing. He, uh, he looks at, at Don Barclay as a player who's really uh, ascended in his time um, and who's ready to prove himself. I, I think that uh, most teams would be happy to have a Don Barclay on their line in a swing type position that he can move around. He's versatile. Um, I love him. I like him everywhere except for left tackle. Um, and I prefer him used as an interior lineman. It sounds like uh, he's, he's rounded out his skills and he's got the quarterback's vote of confidence. Of course, it's not like Aaron's going to go out there and trash him, but I thought it was telling when Aaron was asked about Jari Evans, you know, he gave some praise there and then fairly quickly pivoted to Don Barclay and wanted to give him a shout out. So um, he's, he's a, he's a solid backup. You maybe hope that he doesn't see extended playing time this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think there are things to like about Don Barclay on the interior as opposed to tackle. And he's now two years removed from surgery that y you really could see a fairly effective player there if he's pressed into service. Um, uh, David, an unexpected injury to punter Jacob Schum uh, left rookie Justin Vogel as the only punter at practice. What do you think are the odds the rookie wins this job? Well, this is really testing my uh, the, the extent of my football knowledge here <laughs> um, with the punter question. But I did I did look into uh, Vogel a little bit, and I think the skinny on him is he's a very accurate punter, but he doesn't have uh, a booming leg. Um, you know, this is I, I did look statistically at Shum as well. You know, last year Pat McAfee, now retired, uh, Indy's former punter, he led the league with something like forty nine point three. Uh, yards average and he was third in net uh, net yardage now Schum was nowhere close uh, he was actually closer to the bottom of the league in both of those metrics but I thought it was interesting that he had the same number of uh, punts inside the 20 as McAfee uh, 19 of his 56 attempts went inside the 20 as opposed to McAfee who had 19 out of 55 attempts and he had uh, just four touchbacks so there's there's some things to like about Schum I think it's consistency that, that has to improve um, and I don't know the extent of his injury. I would think it would be a long shot for the rookie to take over the job. Um, he'd have to really, really impress them. But it's, I guess, stranger things have happened. But I, I would think at this point it's, um, it's Shum's job to lose. I tend to think it's 50-50, but that's just me. I really? respect your opinion. But uh, the, well, we, we, know, we'll see. You probably know much more about punters than I do, I will admit. That's <laughs> 
that's uh, not not my forte by any means. I don't know about that, but it, it'll be fun to watch one of those uh, battles as his training camp unfolds. Um, David, uh, last question here. Any thoughts on the reported new NFL rule changes uh, reported on Tuesday uh, about shortening overtime to 10 minutes and allowing two players to come off injury reserve? Any thoughts there from the uh, o- owners meeting that took place uh, or their spring meeting, I guess? Well, I, I don't want to lose everyone with a, maybe a, a poor reference, but it, it feels a little bit like George Lucas constantly going back and changing his original trilogy. Um, you know, just leave it alone. You're not making it better. Um, you're, you're just you're meddling. Uh, I know that the idea here is they want to improve uh, the overtime. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of sudden death, but I feel like I'm even less of a fan of the rules that they've put in because um, – it doesn't seem to really have an effect on the product. I, I understand in theory, you'd like to see a touchdown end a game. You'd like to see both teams have an opportunity to have the ball. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what they should do. It seems at this rate in a couple of years, we'll be having, you know, each team uh, have all of their players attempt to point after and the first team to miss, you know, I mean, it's just quit messing with it. If you have to go back to sudden death, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It would not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Greatly appreciate your insight and take a little time to talk to us. Welcome to Cheesehead TV. And uh, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy your work and encourage our listeners to do the same. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right. Take care. Likewise. David Nicholson. Cheese, one of Cheesehead TV's newest writers, joining us here on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, in addition to the injuries mentioned in our interview, we also learned on Tuesday cornerback Quentin Rollins underwent groin surgery in the offseason, according to Michael Cohen of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Rollins dealt with an issue that stretched from October to January last year, uh, or over the past several months, I guess we could say, and in the offseason went to Philadelphia to have surgery done by Dr. William Myers, a prominent core muscle surgeon that also operated on fellow cornerback Demarius Randall last year. Rollins, however, did reportedly participate in Tuesday's practice, which is good for a guy that received a lot of playing time last season and didn't do much with it. There were high hopes for both Randall and Rollins last season, and neither really lived up to expectations. Rollins, from all appearances, wasn't even working with the first-string defense yesterday, and and that was a group working without top-pick Kevin King. So I don't know, does that push Rollins even further down the pecking order when King comes back? You know, this is all not to say that Rollins won't have the opportunity to prove himself You might even sit here and say, maybe Rollins' problems last year were injury-related. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But one thing we do know is that he's running out of time. Uh, The offseason is going to be big for Quentin Rollins, and it's good to see that he's out there participating in practice after undergoing surgery at the very least. There were a lot of guys out there 
who have injuries or went uh, underwent surgery this offseason, and they're not out there. So Quentin Rollins is. So that's a good thing that he's out there getting the reps, getting work in, and maybe he's ready to finally take that step. Uh, he, he's got, you know, increased competition now with uh, Devon House being signed in the offseason in addition to, you know, Kevin King being drafted. So, you know, Qu- Quentin Rollins has his work cut out for him, as do many players in the secondary. Uh, but, yeah, so we learned Tuesday that he underwent groin surgery in the offseason. All right, in other news, other Packers news from the police blotter category, Packers safety Jermaine Whitehead was reportedly cited for driving 110 miles per hour in a 70-mile-an-hour zone. According to the article published by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the incident reportedly happened on May 19th at 3.39 a.m. in the town of Holland, Wisconsin, which is somewhere between Sheboygan and Milwaukee. As the saying typically goes, nothing good happens after midnight. But as you might have been wondering, and I know I was, there was no mention of alcohol being involved. So that's the silver lining here. Uh, They were at least being uh, apparently responsible in that aspect of it. Because in the report, the police officer... Uh, who made the citation, is uh, cited as saying Whitehead had three teammates with him in the vehicle and they were returning to Green Bay to practice that that subsequent morning in, in just a few hours away. There, there was no word on who the three teammates were. Um, Whitehead has a court appearance scheduled for June 14, which just so happens to fall on the same day as a Packers minicamp practice. But this is just a speeding ticket. He can just pay the fine and not appear in court. It came with a fine of $515.50. You know, I don't anticipate any suspension from the Packers or the NFL will come of this. All in all, it appears to be a relatively minor offense. Uh, although hopefully a lesson has been learned, 110 miles per hour is a little too fast for comfort, especially when you have passengers in your care. But there you go. That was uh, breaking news yesterday as well. <clears throat> and uh, just finally here, um, it, you know, we already talked about this with David Nicholson, but just giving you my two cents, Kevin King missing practice yesterday this this is an annual occurrence now you you know if you've been a Packer fan for a while and and maybe young fans have a hard time you know understanding this and grasping this at first and like oh man the Packers first top draft pick uh not attending practice that's really going to set him back when all his teammates are out there working relax it's not a big deal David Nicholson mentioned all the previous Packers who have had to gone through this, including Kenny Clark last year. It's not as if he won't be working out. He just, as required by the NFL, which you can argue may be some sort of antiquated rule, seeing as uh, you know Kevin King is is now a professional athlete and has chosen this as you know what he wants to do with his life. Uh, It's certainly admirable to uh, go out and get your college degree, uh, but I'm not sure 
I'm not sure I think it's in the best interest of the NFL telling people what they have to do with their lives after they made that decision to go pro. Regardless, it's not uh, something I can change or fix, so you have to live by the letter of the law as it is. Um, Kevin King certainly will be practicing on his own, will be working out on his own, perhaps even with the coaches at the University of Washington while he's still attending class there. I'm just speculating. I don't really know to what extent he's allowed to do that. Um, but, um, you know, it's he's going to miss probably three weeks of practice, probably all of OTAs. Usually these guys are back for minicamp, so they will be able to take part in some of the off-season program, which is good, but, you know, missing three weeks of an off-season program in which they aren't even wearing pads anyway, the Packers aren't at practice, as also required by NFL rule during the off-season, you can't hit or anything like that, not a huge deal, ideally he's there and he's learning, but as many reporters have, you know, if you read the articles on these things over the years, they stay in contact with the Packers coaches even during this time. They're calling them. They're doing Skype sessions with them. Uh, you know, so it's not as if they're not learning during this time or anything. They're just not there in an attendance in Green Bay practicing. But, you know, not a big deal, all things being told, especially knowing he will be rejoining the Packers practice offseason program within just a few short weeks. Um, All right, but moving on. The day ahead. All right, because the Packers got their week started right away this week on Monday, that means today, Wednesday, is the final day of practice this week. The Packers will have their third and final practice of the week held behind closed doors on Wednesday as Tuesday's practice was the only one open to the public this week. Um, So they'll be inside the Don Hudson Center today. Uh, After Wednesday's practice, they'll get nearly a week off for the Memorial Day weekend. They don't have another practice then until Wednesday, May 31st. Well, the next practice open to the public is Thursday, June 1. So just in case you were interested in wondering what the upcoming schedule looks like, knowing that practice was open to the public yesterday, not going to happen again for another week as, you know, during the off season here, they're a little bit, you know, it's not quite as rigid a schedule as it is you know, once the season starts and there's consistently a game every week that you're preparing for, their teams are a little have a little more leeway to set their schedule and can afford to, you know, during Memorial Day weekend when the whole, you know, the bulk of the nation has off, um, you know, they can, they can take a, a few extra days off, have a long weekend, and this one seems to be particularly long. It's like a uh, not just a three-day or a four-day week, it's like a five- or a six-day weekend. But regardless, no big deal. Uh, they're going to get all the work in. They just come back next week. You know, instead of, you know, this week the Packers practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Next week it'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, you know, followed by a short weekend then. And then they, they're a normal weekend, and then they'll get pra- back to practice again. So 
That's kind of how the schedule is set up for the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, they do the same thing a lot of times, like Mother's Day weekend. They'll have an extra day off. So a little more at liberty to to take some times off. Uh, but there you go. That's how that's how things are scheduled this week for the Green Bay Packers. And, and uh, that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Thank you to... David Nicholson uh, of Cheesehead TV for being our guest, uh, continuing the theme of our new Packers writers. Already have our guests lined up for Friday's episode. We'll have Chris Wanless of uh, Cheesehead TV joining us Friday morning, and which, by the way, will start at 8.15 a.m. Central Time. As I've warned, just occasionally when my work schedule requires it, we may have to start occasionally uh, a 15 minute, you know, start time earlier than usual. Um, and that'll just happen, you know, at, on an as needed basis. So sorry if that is inconvenient for anyone, but, uh, that's the way it's going to have to be as, uh, the job takes precedence over the, uh, non-paying podcasting gig. Uh, but I'm trying to do it as much as possible, uh, as my schedule allows. So, We'll see you Friday, folks. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. Um, enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back just two days from now. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Uh, that's live edition of the show, podcasting on demand later in the day. I leave you today with a song called Different Light by Steve Winwood on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go.